Hi, and welcome back to Recovery His Way on the campus of the His Way Recovery Center in Huntsville, Alabama. I'm Stuart Whiting, and I'm sitting down once again with our director, Tom Reynolds. Hey, Tom. Hello. Hey, it's good to be sitting down with you again and talking about these 12 steps um, as Alcoholics Anonymous has brought them. I guess it's been the better part of 100 years, as we've talked about previously in the history of this, and how these steps are, uh, they were founded on biblical Christian principles, and, and we incorporate these in various ways, uh, certainly from a principle standpoint, and working through the different steps. We're on step nine today, but why don't you give us a little bit of a recap on uh, where we've been so far? Right. Well, this, you know, the steps begin with laying a foundation. What is my belief system? Where am I going to believe? And then acting out of that belief system. So the first three steps are kind of just committing to a God of our understanding and then building a life off that. Then I begin to evaluate myself and, and then confess that to other people and then start working on the process of God molding me and preparing me to reconcile with other people. And so it's really about peace with God, peace within myself, and then peace with other people. And kind of right now on step nine, we're talking about the peace with the people. And uh, and I think we've basically, every, it's almost like every other one are, are grouped together that half of these are leading towards introspection and making decisions and the other half are about actually doing something. Right. And I think that's that's kind of the nature of this. And I think it's an important part of understanding our lives. I think, you know, it's partly making the right decisions, but it's also about doing the right things. Mm -hmm. It's not just one or the other. And I think a lot of times, unfortunately, people will launch into some action without you know reflection and they can make terrible mistakes or sit back and just stew on it forever and never do anything about it and also make terrible mistakes so kind of learning the balance of both you know making decisions making choices evaluating and then taking action on those things i think is an important dynamic in this i think important dynamic in life yeah you know i think before we get into this step um that principle is so important here with our guys coming in talking to one of our uh, first month residents and, you know, he said he was on the list last year, but he never went through with it. It was something his family wanted for him. And I said, yeah, that would not have gone well with you to have been forced into doing something that he had not decided for himself right. was important. And he's doing great now. Mm -hmm. And they can just see the smile and the, his demeanor. And uh, and I know we've had guys that have gone all the way through the program and, you know, they'll graduate. But then sometime later, a couple months they realize, wait a minute, I didn't really, I wasn't really invested in this. Right, and right. and sitting down, making the decision, why am I here, is a crucial part of this program. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a crucial part of life, I mean, By in life. every regard. Right. So this step says, uh, last week was, I, I, I decided on who I needed to make amends to mm -hmm. and made a list mm -hmm. of, of everyone that to make amends to. And I guess uh, step nine is now I am made, I made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. So last week we talked a lot about the idea of making amends. And this one brings in some some new language on that. That's it's a little bit uh, shocking or, or just interesting to see some of the qualifications here. Right. I, I guess I first want to kind of just talk about the making amends in general. I think it is an important principle, um, and uh, you know, for a lot of reasons. Um, one of the passages that uh, always jumps out at me is in in Romans um, twelve, um, where where Jesus Jesus Paul. I'm doing this very well. Romans 12, where Paul um, talks about making peace and that um, we're to live at peace with everybody and as much as possible. It probably depends on you. And I like that qualification, you know, because the reality is I can strive to be at peace with everybody. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that everyone's going to be at peace with me. 
I need to make sure my side of the street's clean, that I'm doing the things I can do to make peace and make reconciliation with everybody. I think that's a foundational principle. As we're reconciling with God, then the peace that he pours into our lives becomes the peace that we extend to other people. And we need to be peacemakers. That's one of the things that the Beatitudes talks about is blessed are the peacemakers. So I think this pursuit of making peace with everybody is a critical and foundational part of the gospel message and what God's doing in our lives to change us. And the power of the word and the power of the spirit is when someone becomes a peacemaker, maybe that other heart might start to change, sure. and even though we don't know that going in. Right. But this is the beauty of of the good news going out in a right. community to others. And uh, but it can be hard to take the first step of being yeah. a peacemaker. It's you know it's one thing to sit back and make a list of people you're kind of considering making amends to, and then coming to the point of saying of being willing to make amends mm-hmm. to them. It's all another thing to take the action to directly make those amends. Um, and that is scary. Um, I've gone with numerous people to, you know, be a part of that process when they got maybe the number of them they've resolved, but there's one that they're, you know, scared about or, un- you know, uncomfortable with. And so kind of going with them and holding their hand a little bit in that process. I've yet to see one go poorly. Yeah. You know, they go well. Um, and people are surprised. I mean, generally that people um, generally are very receptive to that effort, though there's no guarantee. And I think, you know, like mm-hmm. this says, there is, kind of a caveat in this, in terms of recognizing that I need to do this as much depends on me and that there's a, an exception in here I'll talk about in a minute. But, um, you know, it even says, you know, in later in that scripture in Romans 12, where Paul says, you know, by doing those things, you will heat burning coals on their head, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a sense in which um, by being kind, you bring conviction, you bring um, um resolve on them to reconcile with you, even though you may not even see that. I mean, the reality is, you know, our effort to make peace with people may never, we may never know the end result of that. And that's okay, because I've done my part and God's going to work that out. It's one of the great things, not to go to depth about it, but it's one of the amazing things about, you know, Christian martyrdom today is you watch Christians throughout the world responding to their persecutors with kindness and love and those kind of things. And you see these tremendous stories of transformation in their lives because that kindness um, brought a conviction on them that ended up yielding them to right. God. And in this, and I guess in a smaller way, but just as important, when when uh, one of our guys is starting to make amends, say to family members who they burn a lot of bridges with, who have you know done right. a lot of harm uh, to them, now all of a sudden, wow, what a the transformation is a great word um, that I know is on the hearts of the parents and the mm-hmm. siblings and. And I know there's any number of stories that we know of where that transforms a family and mm-hmm. say, oh, you know, I, I never really thought much about this religious stuff or, you know, however they mm-hmm. had captured that in their mind. And now I, I need to pay attention to this. Maybe there's something that, again, that conviction element that comes back right. onto the family. Absolutely. And and when when this process begins to happen in family, because the reality is um, most addicts are coming out of families who have some level of dysfunction or toxicity to them. Um, most all families do at some yeah, level. Yeah. So um, when they all of a sudden start shedding the light on those things and making amends for those things, all of a sudden you kind of pull back the light on some things and some other family members may start seeing and some other things you expose in the family. It almost becomes a domino effect mm. in which um, a lot of things can happen. I think one of the other things that's critical here is this is step nine. Mm. Uh, I was actually t- teaching class this morning and mentioned it to the guys, you know, 
sometimes, you know, we want to, you know, we get so excited about the changes that God's made in our lives. We're ready to kind of make amends, make everything all right, right now. Right now. And, uh, it's day step, 20 here yeah, in the program. And I think it's so important to realize this is step nine. This is a process and you're not ready and your family's not ready for you to, you know, jump out after 10 days of sobriety and kind of make the world a better place kind of thing. It's going to take time yeah. to mature into this process. And I think the steps really reflect that level and that time of maturity, I think is important. Yeah. It'll, it'll feel probably a little shallow if it's the first week or the right. second week. Sure. Or even the first and second month, but you know, after a family member seeing you know uh, their loved one being faithful in these small areas, being diligent, mm-hmm. uh, you know, day after day, week after week, all of a sudden that can that can change some hearts and some minds and some possibilities. Right. And now, when the overtures come that are more directed about their relationship, then yeah, that makes sense that that's going to be okay. Okay, maybe this time, yeah, this time I'm, I'm willing to. To, to receive what, what's happening. And whereas who knows the countless number of times before that that's gone poorly because it wasn't coming from a real deep sense of conviction. Sure. I really want to make amends. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, most addicts when they, you know, initially run out of whatever they burn, burn a bridge, and then they figure, Oh, I need something on the, on the other side of that bridge. They'll make an artificial amends to yeah. kind of get what they want. So, you know, I think that's where, you know, even scripture talks about, you know, bear fruit in keeping with your repentance. Mm-hmm. This is a long-term lifestyle thing that wins people over in trust and confidence, um, you know, in a in a much longer stream. So, you know, staying with it for a long time in a lot of cases, in fact, I would really urge you guys, don't be too hasty to go out and try to make amends. Let some of this trust build, let some of this foundation get reestablished. And then, not that you ignore it, but you yeah. know, you want to wait for those foundations to be laid and some bridges to be rebuilt and trust to be reestablished before you know we start venturing out into those directions of amends. Well, I'm guessing as as guys move into this part, there is that desire to kind of want to just well, that's that's been a long time ago. That's you know, there, well, I don't want to go stir that pot or right. you know, kick that sleeping dog. Right. 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 And I think that's, you know, kind of part of this exception clause, right? Except when to do so would harm um, others in their life and those kind of things. And um, I think a lot of times there, I think there is good reason for the exception. I think um, I've, I think, but I think a lot of people will end up using it as an excuse, mm-hmm. as a cop out. Um, you know, I want to just let sleeping dogs lie kind of thing. And, um, and I think, you know, I try to help them see, I mean, God's commanded this. It's a faith step that I need to trust that if I execute the things that God tells me to do, that God will bear the fruit of that, that he'll bear that fruit in that relationship, in that situation. I mean, I think that's obviously a faith thing that we all need to come to. Um, But I think a lot of times we're afraid to open that. We're afraid to deal with this. We're afraid I just water under the bridge kind of thing. and that's certainly not what this step is calling us to. It's calling us to go back and open Pandora's box and sort out some of those mm-hmm. things. Oh, you know, clean out those closets and look under the bed and pull up the rugs and those kind of things. And let's really deal with the truth um, and really shed light on those truths um, in our lives. So I think that's important. Now, there are some exceptions, I think, that are reasonable. I know in talking with guys and having worked with this for a long time, I mean, you know, if if something, I mean, for instance, I create. I mean, if for some reason, you know, your amends is realizing, you know, you had an affair with this woman 
15 years ago, she remained happily married to her husband, and you need to make amends, so you're going to go, well, that probably does more harm than good. It just disrupts their situation. You probably need to reconcile that yourself and be okay with God and not go out and intentionally stir the pot or or make uh, havoc for somebody else. So I think there's times when it's appropriate, but I think you know, we can end up using it as kind of almost like a battering ram, too, to kind of go wreak havoc in other people's lives yeah. if we're not careful. And it seems like particularly if it's someone within your family or your friends that you still have any kind of relationship with, I mean, there's no no question that the best thing to do will be to get things out in the open, to go and address those things, because otherwise it's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. It's going to be lurking. It's a third It's a third part of your of your relationship right. that until it goes away, you never really will have a whole relationship. And we know the value for our guys, for all of us, of having these kinds of close relationships where we get support, where we have accountability, responsibility coming from, you know, someone from outside. And if, if those have been blocked off, have been squeezed because of, of old harms that we've done, we just, we have to remove those. Otherwise, you know, we go out on our own again without the kind of real relationships we need to, to thrive. Right. Absolutely. So when you think of um, this principle, what, what have been some Bible stories that you usually use as examples? Right. I mean, I think the story that you have um, that with David is a significant one in Second uh, Samuel where um, he has, you know, he's gone through the battle with Saul. He had this loyalty with Jonathan um, obviously Saul and Jonathan both get killed and David, you know, gains the kingship. Um, but David had this lingering promise to Jonathan, right? Mm-hmm. That he would take care of him and that he would take care of his family and that he was, had this loyalty to Jonathan. And so at some point he comes to this conviction that says, oh, wow, you know, I never really fulfilled that. Mm-hmm. I need to make that right. Mm-hmm. And so he raised the issue. Is there anyone still around in Jonathan's family that I can kind of make that situation right, and uh, one of his one of his court says, "Yeah, there is one. Um, this young man named Mephibosheth, um, who's crippled in both feet because of the the um, situation where they're fleeing the persecution that they're facing in David's uprising, and he you know loses falls or whatever and loses his capacity in his feet, and so he's crippled and that type of thing. But he was the only remaining um, descendant mm-hmm. of Jonathan." And so David immediately invites Mephibosheth in. Mephibosheth's scared, you know, kind of even refers himself as a as an old dog and that kind of stuff. And were you going to harm me in some way? And and you know, David. That'd be the way you would do it back then. Right. right. Previous regime, you probably would kill them all. Right. Right. So this is a real reversal of what's what's typical. And so Mephibosheth is scared for his life. He comes in, and David says, "No, in honor of the." agreement I had with your father and your family. I want to, you know, invite you to the king's table. King's table. And you can picture. right and yeah. you can be a part of this for the rest of your life. We'll take care of you. You're gonna be a part of our family and take you in as a as an amends. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, certainly is a great reflection. And you know, the Bible talks about not that um, David's heart David was perfect, but it did does talk about, you know, have a man after God's own heart. And I think these are certainly those reflections later on in David's life as he matures that start reflecting that heart of God. And certainly this um, amends is certainly a big piece of it. Yeah. And there were times in his life where when you talk about those times where he clearly wasn't following after God's right, own heart right. in those moments and, and, you know, God called on him to, 
I'm going to demand some things in, mm -hmm. in this child that's born of Bathsheba is not going to be your heir, is not going to live. And and so he's um, he's he's been on both sides of that. Right. And he had to come to this deep repentance, uh, just gut-wrenching repentance, like right. in Psalm 51. Right. And that's got to be a big part of this that has to go hand in hand with making amends. There's this very humble uh, posture that is is got to be you know it's is very difficult i'm sure for our guys you know to 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 going back to the step itself of saying okay I, i've made the list and now i have to humble myself right you know in a way maybe that i've never done right and one of the things i think we talked about last time when we were discussing this step too is particularly at this point you know it's important that i go and make amends um humbling myself in the sense that I'm, you know, I, I can come and say, I admit that I did whatever these crimes are against you, whatever these wrongs are against you. And I want to ask for your forgiveness and literally ask that, not just say, I'm sorry, right. but really honestly ask and humble myself to, I mean, humility means I put myself at the mercy of somebody else, that they have an opportunity mm -hmm. to express um, their, um, their, their honest response. I mean, whether it's, I forgive you or, well, do you really realize what you've done here? You don't even realize the half of it. And if they have issues or resentments that you open the door for them to mm. express those things. I think a lot of times we want to kind of keep the lid on it and kind of keep control of it and manage it. Cause if we, you know, if we open it up, we could, you know, we could stir up a whole nother deal. But I think part of that humility is the vulnerability and the faith that says, I trust God's process to such a degree that I'm willing to open that up, not control it myself, but trust that God's mm -hmm. Spirit is going to work mm -hmm. among us to bring about His result. And sometimes it may be messier than the little one I want to manage, but I mean, in the end, it ultimately is the more genuine end result. So I think that's a part, important part of this, making amends and really opening up and humbling ourselves in that way. If I just say I'm sorry and okay, no big deal, but amends is about I, I, I want to make something right. right. And so that, that has to go deeper. Sure. Well, how, right. you know, but how can I work here right. to make, to make this right? right? And that door may never be open to you. As you said, you go knock on that door and say, listen, no, sorry, buddy. You're not, right. I don't want anything to do with you. Well, that's out of your control at that point, but right. how can I make this right is, is clearly going deeper than just offering an apology. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, even in the Beatitudes, you know, we've talked about that a little bit before, but, uh, it begins with blessed with the poor in spirit, which is kind of that first step in mm -hmm. AA about re recognizing my powerlessness and lifestyle manageability. And you go through that whole process. Um, and then, you know, kind of, I always see kind of this yeah, emptying, kind of this, the mourning, the humility and meekness, and then hungry and thirsty and having an appetite for something different in God. Yeah. Um, and then the very first response is blessed with the merciful, mm -hmm. for they shall receive mercy. And so it begins this outward journey of making things right with other people, extending mercy, receiving mercy, those kind of things goes on to purification of heart, peacemaking, and ultimately the persecution that comes at times with that peacemaking. But I think that mercy is really a critical part. Yeah, of you can process. see, I, I imagine many situations are, well, yeah, I need to make amends, but you know, they've, they've done some things to me too. Right. right. And how easy it is just to let that be the barrier to making, sure. you know, any kind of reconciliation. But that goes back to previous steps of saying, you know, I'm looking for something better, like you said, uh, hungering and thirsting for a different way of approaching right. life. And and so for my part, okay, I'm going to come and say, 
can we can we make amends? Can we right. can we be reconciled? Which is such a great word, and it comes up a lot in um, when I'm doing my classes, and I I say you know it's a very churchy word. Um, you don't hear it a lot except for reconciling bank accounts, <laughs> but you know it's like yeah, it's about you know it's about it's a it's a it's a relationship um, and something that was ripped, something that's off coming back together again, and. I, I know that for most people, that's certainly the desire that we would rather be at peace with one another than be at odds. And yet the past is such a strong, um, you know, thing pushing us away from that. And and how difficult it is to be the first one to, to make the decision. And yet um, I know the blessing that comes for those other those that aren't in addiction who see their loved one coming back to them and and just how how quickly that can just change yeah. things. Yeah, and, and like you've already we've alluded to already, but the idea that I mean what happens in a lot of these guys' lives is, you know, these black sheep in the family many times who come here, um, when they go back to their family making amends, they become um, genuine leaders in the family. Yeah. They set a new tone, they set a new standard, they set a new way of interacting. That in, I've seen in many cases where families are revolutionized by their leadership, where in the past they've been a dismissed and discarded member of the family. They become really the, the family member that can lead the family into a tremendous future. And I think that's really important. Yeah, thankfully, we're in a culture now which doesn't stigmatize addiction to the point of you can never talk about it again. Right, right. And so now you can say, oh, yeah, you know, Johnny. But now he's, you know, now here's who he is and, and what's done with our family. And I know one thing, I haven't heard us say this in a while, but we we do uh, commonly talk about if we can reach the man, then we can reach the family. Right. You can reach the family, you can reach the community. Right. And uh, it really is the pattern of the gospel mm-hmm. where, you know, it, it with at the individual level, what kind of incredible transformation can go out. Right. So I know the key to this um, step particularly in light of step eight is about the doing. Mm-hmm. And I know we want to emphasize one thing to make a list and another thing to actually go and, and get over that inertia, which we all have. I just rather would sit and not do something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it made me thought, uh, think of you talking about the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, that how Jesus ends um, with something we sometimes avoid talking about. And, but his, the closing statement, chapter seven is, you know, blessed is the one who has heard all of this and does them. And he is like the man who has built his house on solid rock versus the one who's heard all this, knows all the same things, who's made the list, who doesn't act on them, doesn't do them. And he's the foolish guy built on the sand, all it's going to wipe away. Mm-hmm. And and how do you really, you know, encourage and help the guys see the doing is really where the well, blessing I think, is? I think- that's where it always is. I mean, and really emphasizing, I think, is important. I mean, you can know all these things, but doing them is the ultimate thing that matters. I think you do it in little ways. You help them, you know, learn the process and the relationships with each other. You know, one of the things I always encourage the guys to do right away when they get here is serve each other, learn how to get outside yourself. And so, you know, even if it's simply, you know, I'm cranking in the morning, but I'm going to say good morning and get a guy a cup of coffee, how much that can revolutionize their day when they take those actions Simply knowing to do it, it's not going to really do it until they do it. I think that's um, important. You know, even Jesus said um, after he washed the disciples' feet, you know, he washed the disciples' feet and he asked them, now, do you understand what I've done here? And he, and he says, you know, as you've seen me do, so do to others, right? Mm-hmm. Do to each other and that kind of thing. 
And then he said, you'll be blessed if you do it. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, Jesus always emphasized, I think scripture always emphasizes, the blessing always comes in the action. Yeah. Um, I think that's the tragedy in the church and in Christian lives many times, is we all know the right thing to do. We just seldom have yeah. practiced it, yeah. and therefore we have never really walked in his blessing. Yeah. And and it's those things that, that become like the rock, the foundation of the house, because when I've done it once, it reinforces doing it twice and three yeah. times. And then I begin to say, wow, if I obey God in this, maybe if I obey him in that. And if I obey him in this, maybe I obey him in that. And you begin to build right. toward a faithful future instead of just always having this theory in mind that, yeah, these things are basic principles that are a good idea. However, you know, I have a different idea or I have a different um, perception of what I think should happen. Yeah. And I, I, one thing I love about the way this program operates and, and, and the principles that really govern it is how we give the guys opportunities in very small ways to be faithful, to small chores, mm -hmm. to the volunteering things that we don't, actually don't give them a lot of choice about, but you're going to go do this and, and it's going to be a part of it. But they can quickly grow to appreciate those things, but they would never have thought that early mm -hmm. on um, in the way that we help manage their money and keeping up with receipts and small things and being faithful and learning that, you know, okay, I, there are things that I think I wouldn't want to do, would be uncomfortable, but I can do them. I can start to see the benefit. And now these bigger things, which these are big things, making amends is something that's obviously very scary and terrifying. And how am I going to be humiliated if, you know, uh, it, the things that can come up, old wounds and all those things. And yet now I've got a pattern because it's not day seven and day 14. It's, it's now well into the process and I know, I know I've seen this um, in the community around me and the other brothers and the staff here who have, who have proven that this is important and a blessing in their life. Okay, I've got some history now in being faithful in small things. So now I'm going to be faithful in some big things. Amen. Well, um, we have a few more of these steps to get to. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what they are because I'm not doing my homework <laughs> ahead of time, <laughs> um, which, but I enjoy uh, seeing how this unfolds. And once again, I'm just, you know, it's it's such a good reminder that uh, any any Christian can look at these and see this development of thought that we all should be called to and right. what great principles they are. So I appreciate you sitting down again. Thanks, Stuart. And looking forward to continuing the discussion with you. Thanks. And uh, we'd like to thank you for joining us. And if you have any other questions or like information about our program, please visit our website at hiswayinc.org.